This episode of Cinema Recall contains adult language, adult situations, some spoilers, and some brief nudity, so listener discretion is advised. Everybody and welcome back to a new edition, new episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast, covering the film Barry Lyndon by Stanley Kubrick. This is our four-part, five-part series about this iconic movie, and joining me again, the historian, the intelligent, the beautiful Mary Mitchell. Hello, Mary. Thank you for coming back. Oh. That was a very nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> you, well, you, you Hi, are, everyone. You are indeed our historical expert. Yeah, I, I, I love history. It's very narrow, my, my scope of historical knowledge. I'm really, really obsessed with British history. So it's like, I feel like, oh, my cat's meowing. If you hear in the back hey, or around, that's, what, what cats? that's Boo. Boo. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Boo. Boo. <laughs> um. But yeah, my 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 specialty is, is is British history, and it's one of the reasons I love Barry Lyndon so much. I mean, I know it's technically across different countries, but you get the idea. Yeah, no, I I, I very much love that because we're gonna talk a lot about British history during the course of this episode. Uh, now, on our last episode, we just, we just kind of gave just general thoughts about the movie. But now we're going to get into the actual movie itself. Uh, but before I do that, Mary, I got a little, couple little um, uh, house cleaning things that I need to address. So I'll be All right. real brief with that. Uh, so I was recently a guest on a few podcast shows. Uh, you can find me on the Your Next Favorite Movie podcast hosted by Josh G. And on that show, I talked about the movie Hannah. And that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um also, uh, by the time this episode posts, I will be a guest on the Movie Journey podcast, and they have a thing called Pod vs. Pod, Pod v. Pod, where we both challenge each other with trivia questions, and they really got me when it came to who were the nominees for the 2018 Best Picture Oscars, and I just blinked. I just could not <laughs> think of any movies that came out for the, that, that year, and I was like... No, I've seen a bunch of movies here. What the hell? I can't think of one. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we have a very fun Stephen King draft on there. So if you go to Twitter, you can vote in that. And my choices for best Stephen King were Misery, Stand oh. By Me, Carrie, Christine, and Running Man. Which one were your favorites of those, Mary? Oh, I, I love Misery. I love it, love it, love it. We actually just watched that Um like a, like a week ago, my husband had never seen it before, and we watched it, and he loved it. I love Stephen King. Oh, nice. I like um my favorite Stephen King novel will probably be Cujo. Oh, um, my favorite Stephen King things are like the ones where it's like something that could actually happen. Like I like the supernatural ones, but when it's something like Cujo or Misery 
where it's like that could happen to somebody like yeah. that is so terrifying and i love stand by me as well very, i like all of those choices <clears throat> very much so and the uh, movie journey podcast also has some great choices too including uh shawshank redemption the shining it and other adaptations as well so go on twitter find that out there um i'm also going to be a, a upcoming guest on the coolest chronicles podcast with former guest ryan rodriguez Talk about the flick Looney Tunes back in action. So listen to that one. That's a lot of fun. And then also just want to give us some shout-outs here to some great people. I want to thank Mike Mike and Oscar, Movie Drone Podcast, Sci-Fi Remnant, Bree and Chris of the Let's Chat Podcast. Uh, also want to give a shout-out to uh, Kevin of the Real Spoilers Podcast and also um, Ryan of Force of Crowd Podcast as well. I uh, also want to thank Fallen Films Podcast as well so thank you very much everyone right there and i'll give a special shout out to our patreon subscribers at the end uh right now mary we're gonna take a small break i want to play some quick ads from some other amazing podcast shows and then we're gonna dive into bray linden okay sounds great all right have time for another podcast and enjoy listening to two idiots discussing films then look no further we are Movie Drone Podcast, two mates sitting down to discuss new releases, nostalgic films and anything and everything in between. He's Steve. And he's Mark. Together we answer listener questions and set each other homework, giving each other a film to watch that the other hasn't seen, in the hope of unearthing hidden gems. You can download us on iTunes, Podbean, as well as Google search us to find us on loads of different platforms. Or email moviedronepodcast at hotmail.com. I think that's all. No chance, mate. Huh? You've forgotten everyone's favourite feature. Mark's movie impressions. Oh, I hope you've forgotten it too, to be honest. No chance of that, mate. You think you should do one? I hate you. Come on, mate. Show them what you got. Hey, my boy. Hey, my boy. Yo, Adrian! <laughs> and if that hasn't put you off, give us a try. There's a small chance you won't regret it. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Whatever. Hey, this is Jason. And this is Mary. And we are the hosts of the comedy podcast, Whatever, with Jason Soto. It is a podcast unlike anything that's been done before. Is that true? Yes. Yes, it is. Well, what makes us so different? Well, how many podcasts do you know talk about meat for five minutes? Or talk about REM songs? Or true crime? Well... Don't answer that last one. All right, I guess I see your point. Plus, you get hilarious banter from us. Now tell us a podcast that does that. I can only think of one. Whatever with Jason Soto, found on Podomatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts can be found. This podcast is a proud member of the Let's Chat Club. Find out how you can become a member by going to the website letschatpodcast.net. Barry Lyndon, a film by Stanley Kubrick, starring Ryan O'Neill and Marissa Berenson, has won the Best Picture and Best Director Award presented by the National Board of Review. Richard Schickel, in a Time Magazine seven-page cover story, called the film ravishing, overwhelming, an uncompromised artistic vision, and said, Director Stanley Kubrick asserts a claim to greatness that time alone can, and probably will, confirm. CBS TV critic Pat Collins called it a masterpiece, monumental, a perfect film of epic size. 
Playboy magazine's Bruce Williamson, a film classic. All right, folks, you just heard some amazing ads from some great, astounding podcasts, like Epic Podcast. These are like maybe not hours, these are not like three hours Stanley Kubrick podcast, but they're pretty epic. These are like epically epic podcasts, so thank you for checking those out. You just heard a small trailer from Barry Lyndon. Now, getting into the movie itself there. Uh, now, before this movie came out, Mary, uh, Kubrick wanted to do a uh, film about Napoleon. Oh, don't you wish that he had he had done that? That sounds amazing. I wish he would have, too, because after 2001, I mean, he that was going to be his next project. In fact, he was in pre-production to make Napoleon, but then another movie came out called Waterloo, comes out, I believe, in like in 73, uh, and it features Napoleon, uh, about his famous battle there, uh, but that movie just taints at the post office, and so Kubrick is like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not the way to go right now. <laughs> can't do this right now, so he puts he puts all of his efforts into doing a Clockwork, Clockwork Orange instead. I love Clockwork Orange. Oh, <clears throat> amazing. It's not, it's not my favorite Kubrick movie, but I, I still love it. Oh, I mean... It's fun. It, it uh you know it garnered some uh Oscar love. It was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, now, I didn't know that about that. That's cool. I oh, didn't know that. Oh yeah. It, yep. Uh, and I remember a story my parents told me like one time they saw it in theaters, and they took friends with them, and it was right around uh the first rape sequence that their friends said, "Nope, we're out of here," and they left <laughs> the theater. So. <laughs> which I which I believe happens like. Maybe ten minutes into the film. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, by by Prince Day, they watched the movie, and yeah. So there's that. Uh, so he also had interest in another one of because Barry Lyndon, we said before, is based on a book by uh, William Thackeray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also had uh, interest in another one of Thackeray's novels, Vanity Fair. But he turned that project down uh, when he found out that a TV series of it was being produced. And I believe Vanity Fair is a movie with Reese Witherspoon. I'm not positive on that one there, but I... Yeah, I think so. And also good... See, that's one of the things that I love about Stanley Kubrick, and I wish that more people had that type of integrity nowadays in film, because I feel like a lot of times when they feel like there's another movie with something going on, people jump all over just to uh, ride the wave. But Kubrick's like, no, I want to, I want to do something different. I like that about him. Yeah. Like no one would have known about that, about Barry Lyndon if he hadn't done that. It's not like a Robin Hood or Sherlock Holmes where it's like a story that everybody knows. Like he, he was like the only one to actually bring it to life. That is true. And the fact that he wanted to do something different because nowadays people just want to keep doing the same adaptation over and over again or call it something new. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's what. Yeah, it's like the same thing. Like, like people find out something's popular or did well, so they'll try to either like ride the wave or uh, do copycat versions of it. Like, you know, uh, how many like different like copycat versions of like Breaking Bad came out after Breaking Bad? People trying to ride the wave, but Kubrick always did things differently, and that's why he's my favorite director. Well, among other reasons, he's a really good director, but um, I like that he had his own mind and he did things differently. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, no, I'm, no. Sorry, I'm kind of thinking slightly of the Cruella movie. <laughs> yeah. 
by having that adaptation <laughs> of the character and doing like, oh my god she's a girl boss now girl boss now gonna... that's right po- power <laughs> to kill him. power of our killing puppies. puppies like the most reprehensible disney villain of all time like like irredeemable like the worst person ever it's like now she's a cool girl boss like you gotta be kidding me no what, way they did the same thing too with the angeline jolie movie about the maleficent yeah. from uh, sleep and beauty yeah yeah like i i don't i don't get that and i i know that you know how i feel about female villains villains from my facebook but people listening that don't know i love a good female villain and i feel like there's like none of those nowadays yeah it's like they turn maleficent into like a rape victim yeah like it's always like oh some something happened to her and she ended up being evil like come on what about like what was that yeah women can be evil and just being evil all right nothing wrong with that exactly like (laughs) we mentioned before uh misery is a good example of that yeah Kathy oh. Bates was fantastic. Oh, just wait. They'll do a prequel of that movie. <laughs> yeah, just we wait. find out that she's like a, a victim and she's she's really just broken inside and somebody else made her be that way. She's not just a completely crazy bitch. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, sorry about that. We kind of went off on a tangent yeah. here. <laughs> That's happened sometimes. So, okay. So, he adapted, you know, the book of Barry Lyndon. Uh, in 1844, it was called The Luck of Barry Lyndon. And then in 1856, it was called The Memoirs of Barry Lyndon Esquire. Now, Krupert's adaptation, now, he actually did write the adaptation himself for this. And it follows the arc of the story very closely, but changes a few things when it comes to the character. Now, in the book, Barry actually uh, blackmails Lady Lyndon into marriage by threatening violence against her suitors. Uh, he not only steals money from her, but he keeps her a prisoner as well. Wow. And the book, as we mentioned before in the last episode, that's told in first person. But it's kind of funny. I've read that there are notes from the editor uh, kind of doing, like, it kind of reminded me of Hunter S. Thompson and Fear and in Las Vegas, <laughs> where it's written in first person, but you'll see notes from the editor saying, hey, uh, so it's making some facts clear here. And I feel like the notes from the editor in the book are kind of like the narrator of the movie. That's that's interesting, and I I'm I'm kind of curious to read the book because the book is uh, in yeah. first person. Because uh, it would just make things change because when you have a first person narrative, narrative, it changes from a third person narrative, which is which is what is what the movie has in there. Um, yeah, now, that, that's kind of intriguing. I think very much so. Yeah, especially for a book that was written in the 18th century to have that kind of like. Um, oh yeah. It oh, almost yeah. has like a break in the fourth wall in a way with the whole use of the editor in the book. Like, this book is letting you know, hey, this is a fictional book about a fictional character, but we're going to make this look like it's real for some reason. I'm, I'd be interested to see the differences between Barry, book Barry, and movie Barry. Because um, it sounds like book Barry, by what you just said, is well, <laughs> kind of a bastard. <laughs> well, yeah, and here's it too. Now, Thackeray pictured Barry Lyndon as, like, a typical Irish stereotype. Yeah. Which, uh, Cooper and actor Ryan O'Neill really didn't put forth much into that. You know he's Irish there, but I guess in Thackeray's book, he's really Irish. Like, <laughs> he's, like, super Irish. St- stereotypical, Irish. like, leprechaun Irish type. <laughs> up there, there. Alright. Um, so, we're gonna get into the movie here. Now, I want to talk briefly just about the opening titles, if that's all right, because I find this kind of fascinating. 
Yeah. So the opening titles begin with that Warner Brothers Red Studio logo. And after that, it just says a film by Stanley Kubrick. Usually you always hear like, you know, Warner Brothers presents, but no, it's just after the opening crawl, or the opening title, like the opening studio logo, it just says a film by Stanley Kubrick. It lists two actors, Ryan O'Neill and Marissa Berenson. And that's kind of funny too, because Marissa does not appear in the movie for like a really long time. Yeah, I find it odd that she's the prominent one in all of the, like the advertising for the movie and all the posters and stuff because you think like by seeing that she had like this major role but she really I mean she does I guess but you know yeah I went into her performance later on in the movie but she doesn't really have that much dialogue yeah and she's only in the movie for not I mean in the grand scheme of things like you know I mean I guess she's in it as much as somebody like the Chevalier I mean I don't know it's not like she's a constant throughout the whole movie yeah I just found that to be just kind of weird as well so we get the part so we get the title of Barry Lyndon and then we get part one by what means Barry sorry let me just read that again so part one title screen says by what means Redmond Barry acquired the style and title of Barry Lyndon and I love those title cards also I gotta say I absolutely the second that music hits in the beginning it when I first saw it I was like over it gets me every single time the music is so good in that movie and it's so like the first note just hits you you know what i mean it's it's cold and it's like just right in your face it's like you know setting the tone for the movie i think it puts you right into that time period and yeah we mentioned before in our last episode how kubrick uh basically is a futurist with 2001 space odyssey and how he can bring you back to the past yeah. With Barry Lyndon. And it has to do with just that music in the movie. I mean, you think about the first notes of 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and I also feel like the, the, that it, the piece, um, that actual music is, I feel like it sounds like, if you could, I know this probably sounds dumb, but like, if you could put that movie, Barry Lyndon and the story into music, that's what it would sound like. It sounds as devastating and as, like, hard, you know, all of the things that in, are in that movie, I feel like, is, is conveyed by that orchestra, oh. that symphony. Hell, hell yes. Uh, we do know that Kubrick put a lot of, like, uh, attention into detail, finding music from that period. Um, so, yeah, very, very cool thing indeed. Um, now, at the start of the movie, we hear a narrator um, describing the character of... Redmond Barry's father at the very start of the movie. You see these two guys in a duel, and the narrator says that his father believed in law and would have been very successful in this thing if he were not killed in a duel. And I like the fact, too, that you see this wide shot of this duel. You never actually get to see uh, Redmond Barry's father, yeah. but you just see him fall down. And then the narrator says he got killed over the purchases of some horses. Which I love. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying, which actually kind of like preludes to stuff that will happen to Barry Lyndon later on involving horses. Oh, yeah. His whole life was ruined by a horse, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I also love how that wide shot in the beginning with the father and all that, it plays out like a distant memory. 
Because, yeah. I mean, it's like there, you see it, but it's in the distance. It's so far away. We don't actually see Barry's father up close. We can't even really see his face too much. So no. I feel like it's like probably something that happened, you know, the, a distant memory of Barry's, which I think was a clever way to frame that. Because obviously, if this had been like a huge thing in his life and life changing, it wouldn't have been so distant and far away in such a wide shot. I feel like it would have been like, you know, you're in the action. I feel like Barry has like a distant relationship with his father and it's a distant thing for him. You know, I like that very much about distant memories about something that, you know, it's there, but you can't see things in great detail. Yeah. That's great. Uh, and also that's uh, the opening scene kind of sets up Krupert's visual aesthetic by making everything yes. very wide, uh, looking very much like a painting. Um, now, we, we do meet uh, Barry's mother, um, which, you know, which I forgot her name. I don't know if she actually had yeah, a name Yeah, she actually not. is. I think she's just referred to as Barry's mother. Barry's mother here. Uh, so we found out that she never actually remarried and just wanted to spend all the time, you know, pay attention to her son. All right. Uh, now, right around this time, we meet... Uh, Reverend Barry, uh, played by Ryan O'Neill, and he's in love with his niece, Nora. Um, it's his cousin. Sorry, cousin. That's not even Rob Sidney. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's a different movie right there for Sidney. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, folks. Cousin. All right. That would be the Alabama version of Barry. <laughs> <laughs> would be... <laughs> In love with Billy cousin. Bob Linden. <laughs> <laughs> so, Reverend Barry is in love with his cousin, Nora. And uh, I should say real quick at the end, too, so we try to meet some of our principal cast members here. Ryan O'Neill as Barry Linden. Reverend Barry at the time right here. Uh, now, he appeared in such movies such as Love Story, uh, Paper Moon, and What's Up, Doc? And I knew the filmmakers or the producers want to have a bit star in this because of his feature love story. Uh, now, the actress who played Nora is Gay Hamilton, and a little bit of her filmography and not a lot of titles were recognizable, except for one, because after this movie, she was in a feature called The Duelist, which was the first movie by Ridley Scott, who did Alien and Blade Runner. So, huh. um, so he has infatuation with her, uh, but she ends up agreeing to marry this general by the name of John Quinn instead. And she does this because he will provide her family a good deal of wealth. Like, he promises to pay her family a certain amount of money a year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And marrying a captain would be, yeah, like, pretty much save that family from all poverty. So everything would be, so he's good with that there. Now, the actor who played John Quinn is Leonardo Rossiter. I'm going to mess up these names, folks. I apologize. And he was in uh, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, playing one of the scientists. I see that actor pop up sometimes in um, – I, like, I, I have a, a hobby and an interest in like obscure like – uh, British shows from like the 70s and 80s and uh, he pops up in those sometimes you'll see him in those it's like oh there's Captain John Quinn yeah so that's very cool um all right so after this so Raymond Barry is obviously jealous of John Quinn and at uh breakfast he challenges John Quinn to a duel 
Now, they have the duel. Uh, Redmond Barry wins and shoots John Quint dead. And he actually has to go into hiding. So Well, he... he... He they well it was set up because John Quinn didn't actually die it was a a plug of toe. True, yes, that's true. But at the but when this movie but when you see the movie you don't actually know that right away. Oh you right, okay, yes, that with, yeah, okay. He's in hiding. You think that uh, he killed the guy, so he has to go into hiding. And while he you know is going to hiding, he meets these two guys outside of this house, and he they all say hey was it, would you like to have a drink with us or have some food he says no uh he grabs a drink from the lady of the house and i got very vi- i got very much vibes of funny games <laughs> wait are you talking about the um the scene with the tavern no i'm starting about this yeah this, yeah i just they are they are oh. at a tavern and he's uh, asked the oh, one yeah, lady yeah okay okay yeah i love that scene because also another very small Thing about that scene that I just want to bring up because I love it and I don't do with the rest of the bearing of the movie, but it's a small detail I love is um, in that scene um, you can see in the background there's two little girls and they have baskets and they're walking down the path and I always thought that was so nice the way that's like um, Cooper creates this world where it really looks like rural Ireland in the 1700s where it's just like you can just imagine like who are those you know like little girls just dressed in country clothes and stuff just that that attention to detail I love it that is really cool because I do remember seeing someone there but I just wasn't really paying much attention to it yeah, like the people that are in the scenes, like the townspeople and stuff, and like the extras, they're all perfect because it really creates. They all have those raggedy clothes that you can imagine people back then would have worn, the country folk and all that, and just like seeing those little girls walking down the thing, it's just ah, oh, so nice. I I don't know, it's well, a small detail, but I love it. I, I do know that Cooper put a lot of detail into like casting extras and day players, even if it's just for like one scene, like one shot. He put yeah. Like, a, a lot of detail that most of the filmmakers wouldn't even bother with, but he actually exactly. made sure the right person was cast in exactly. all the scenes. It's like, almost like when you look at the extras and those two little girls walking, it could be a story in and of itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, who are, the, who are those girls? Like, you know, just townsfolk back then. I love that so much. It, it really helps you immerse into that world. Very, very much so. Uh, yeah, so like I mentioned before, I had like very much vibes of the movie uh, Funny Games from Michael Haneke about the I two. I haven't seen that one. Well, it's basically about uh, two very polite uh, criminals who basically <laughs> torture this family, and it's all kind of t- it's it's a movie that kind of breaks the fourth wall as well throughout it. But these guys are like very nice and polite, and they're like, "Hi, I'm sorry we hurt you. Uh, would you like some band aids?" <laughs> And, like, we, let you know, we are going to kill you, all right? But if you need anything, let us know. They're just very polite and gentle. And the two guys that Redmond Barry meets up with kind of feel like the same way. Because Captain later Queen. on, while he's walking, they both rob him in I, a very polite way. That is my favorite scene in history, in, in cinema, of all time, that scene where he gets robbed. The, the, the music in the background is gorgeous. And it fits the scene in such a unique way. When I saw that scene, um, when I first saw this movie, that scene was when I realized that I was watching something that was the best. (laughs) I was I I had my hand on my chest the whole time. I'm like, holy (laughs) crap, this is the greatest scene ever. And another really small detail I want to bring up, because this is the only time I can ever mention this, is um, 
Captain Feeney himself. If you look at this guy, he has blisters all over his lips, which I feel like is such a perfect detail because that looks like a real person from the 1700s. That doesn't look like an actor playing somebody from a different time period. With all, you know, they say that phrase warts and all. Captain Feeney has blisters on his lips and stuff. It's like, yeah, that just gives such a feeling of um, reality to it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's all detail, but like, if you had like, say, um, like Pirates of the Caribbean. It's obviously set in a different, you know, in a different century. They're not going to show Johnny Depp with blisters on his lips. But back then, people probably did have uh, ailments like that. They probably did have, you know, things on their face that were, you know, whatever. But that's what I love about it. Captain Feeney looks like a real human being from a different century. So I love that. <laughs> that is a good bit of detail there that I just don't think I've picked up and i've seen the movie a couple of times here and i'm finding new details about this movie that i have never really thought of before so thank you yeah. very much mary this is great i've uh, seen the movie so many times like i watch it all the time but and i love like i'm a sucker for history like but i'm a sucker also for like um the that type of detail is brilliant because like like i said if that was a movie made today by a, a modern uh director he would put lip gloss on that guy he wouldn't oh, even probably cast that guy you know yeah. he would have made him look flawless it's like oh you can't really but back then that's probably what they looked like that's that is very you know <laughs> we're talking a lot about like details in this movie mary how everyone looks like they came from the century uh now this came out in 1975 okay now, yeah. uh, I'm thinking about another sort of movie that came out a few years later, uh, Star Wars. You know? Yes. Made it look like it's the future. You know, all they say the galaxy, you know, far, far away or whatnot, a long time ago. But everyone in Star Wars, at least the first movie, even the 80s, you can tell that it's a 70s movie for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And, but I, and yeah. I love Star Wars. I love, you know, the trilogy right there. But it still kind of feels like it's dated in the time period it came out in. So you definitely have a lot of 70s haircuts and 80s haircuts and oh, the makeup. Definitely. But it kind of like, you know, takes out like, okay, this is the future. But, you know, obviously now we look back and it's like, these are 70s people. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely the 70s. I'm not trying to diss on that right there. But with like Barry Lyndon, it feels like these characters were coming from that time period. Exact. Oh, exactly. And like, if you notice, also a lot of them have like, um, like unwashed faces and greasy hair and stuff, which would have been how those people back then looked. I think that's uh, brilliant. I, yeah, it, I, it's so good. Like, I'm reminded of the scene when Redmond Barry first of all challenges John Quinn to a duel, and they're all sitting around there uh, having their breakfast. And you look at the faces of some, and, like, the faces have kind of dirt on them. The yeah. hair has not been washed. And I realized people, like, try to, like, glamorize that period in time. But I'm thinking, you know, there probably wasn't a lot of, like, soap during that time. So a oh, lot no. of people, people stunk. Absolutely. They didn't have the, the same beauty care products that we have today. And they didn't shower as regularly as we do. And um, there was you in manual labor. So it, it makes sense that they would have looked like that and um that it reminds me the only other director i've ever seen get that right where it's like hey, you're making a movie about history and all the people look dirty because they probably were was um pasolini peter pa pasolini okay. um his canterbury tales and the decameron are a bull set in the 14th century and everyone looks like 
they're from the 14th century. They're not washed or anything. They get the pimples and greasy hair. And I, I, I feel like, um, I don't know, if you're going to make a movie set in a different century, you have to get that type of detail in there. Yeah. Or else it's just you can't immerse yourself. You know what I mean? Like Kubrick knew how to do it and Pasolini knew how to do it. It's a shame that nobody else seems to really get it. <laughs> that's that's good thing. I, I um uh I, the only movie I ever seen of Pasolini was The Salo or Hunter oh, yeah. Days of Sodom. So I don't know about <laughs> yeah. the Canterbury Tales. I'm I'm kind of afraid to check that out after I saw Salo, but I'll probably I, check it out. I will say um the Canterbury Tales was unseated by Barry Lyndon in my favorite movies list. Really? So, yes. Before I saw Barry Lyndon, I considered The Canterbury Tales to be my favorite movie. Oh. Um, so, okay. and then when I saw Barry Lyndon, I was like, okay, Canterbury Tales has to take a seat. Okay. <laughs> this clearly better. Um, but no, I, I, I more than highly recommend, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I more than highly recommend both The Canterbury Tales and The Decameron by Pasolini. They're beautiful movies. They're hilarious and they're raunchy. Don't watch them at work. You know, they're not safe for work, but it's nothing like Solo. It's nothing like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fair okay. Fair enough. All right. So moving on from there, uh, we find out. Uh, so after uh, he gets robbed, he joins the British army, which he originally despised. And while there, he fights another soldier in this boxing match. Uh, beautifully done with handheld cameras, which I thought was really kind of cool. Oh, I love that scene. Uh, and the, that guy's so huge, too. He looks like he's going to kick Barry Lyndon's ass, but Barry Lyndon just completely destroys him. Yes. Um, and then he meets with uh, Captain Crogan, his friend. And now Captain Crogan is played by Gottfried Quigley. And I recognize him as being the priest and I talk with Orange when Alex goes to prison. Yes, yeah. Uh, I think that he's probably my favorite character in the movie, to be honest, Captain Grogan. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a you know sweet guy. Yeah, exactly. He's like the, one of the only people in the movie that you're like, wow, this guy's awesome. He's like really like a good friend to Barry and all that. I love Captain Grogan. He's a, he's a gambler, you know. He's having some fun, and he tells Barry uh, that uh, his cousin Nora married Quinn. Uh, Quinn was not killed in the duel. He was actually shot with Toe, which, if people don't know what that is, uh, just think of Blinks, I guess. But Toe is just like this dirt, I guess. I think I... it's like um, made from the strands of the ends of a rope. Um, you know, like when a rope gets frayed, I think that Toe is when they take that and they wind it up. And it, it's like, I think that you can use it as a rope. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong on that. But. Sure. Uh, it won't kill you, but it'll hurt really bad. Yeah. And, we and that's out... one of my favorite scenes in the movie when Grogan tells that to him with that candlelight and the way he's leaning over so slyly and telling him that information. I love that. That oh. that scene is beautiful. I absolutely love it. And I love the hushed tones of Ryan O'Neal. And, like, Ryan O'Neal gets so much crap for this movie, and I, I feel like it's so undeserved. I love his performance in it. I, I feel like he doesn't need to do anything more. And he just is, I think he's great as Barry Lyndon. And in that scene, he's, he, he's so like, um, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Miss soft or like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Vulnerable. He, he does seem that way. You know, there's a lot of different ranges 
to his character. Like, we, we saw him being kind of, like, gentle. He's also kind of an innocence. Yeah. With him and Nora. Has, exactly. And and Cause... I feel like he, he's a very trusting guy. Um, like, I feel like Barry Lyndon has a good heart, but the movie doesn't is too afraid to show it. You know what I mean? I think he has a really good heart. But he doesn't. He he, he uh, uses mainly emotions and doesn't really think things through. He kind of yeah. goes through what he's feeling. Uh, so with his cousin Nora, he has so much love for her, and then she got involved with another guy and got obviously jealous. And uh, there's a scene early on where he actually turns on her because he returns her scarf to her. Oh yeah, the the, the length of ribbon. Yeah, the uh. ribbon right there. And John Quinn's like, do you always give, you know, uh, prizes to your lap darts too or something like that? And there's this little, like, small little love triangle. And it seems that John Quinn just says, look, I have don't want anything to do with this woman if she's going to have suitors from other people right there. Uh, and but that then... was a thing back in the 1700s that, that, that ladies would do um, when they had uh... – a crush on a guy is they would give them a piece of their clothing, like usually like, you know, a, a bit of fabric or a length of ribbon to kind of subtly say like, I, you know, I like you. Oh, okay. I thought that was a cool historical detail. Yeah, very, very much so. But, you know, she ended up marrying uh, John Quinn and then what comes out that uh, he never actually killed John Quinn. Uh, that got him to be a little bit more upset. And he finds out, too, that the reason why that John Quinn wasn't killed is because the family doesn't want to lose any money because they were getting so much money from John Quinn to begin with. So basically, we found out that Nora's family set up the duel to get rid of Redmond Barry so that he'll escape. Uh, now, we kind of get into uh, Barry's regiment's first battle, with I, which I believe was the French? Yes. All right. Um... Now, a lot of soldiers during the first battle were killed, including Captain Grogan. Um, I love this battle sequence. I, I do love, too. I love the fact that I would I would love so much to see this movie on an actual bit screen because oh. there were some shots in the battle sequence where they use a lot of like POV cameras, which puts you right in the action, which would it's be so, so amazing to see on the bit screen. I love also that the narrator says um, that this battle was not is not recorded in any history books, but it was certainly memory for, memorable for those who took part because it really makes you think like how many actual battles out there. I mean, we know about like the Battle of Agincourt or you know Iwo Jima or all those other things, but there has to be so many battles that we just don't know about that happened in history that are just forgotten and the people who died in them just forgotten, and that's like one of them, you know. Yeah, there's even a great theme from the narrator, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing this right now, where he says, people can always, you know, talk about the glory of battles oh. if they're sitting in an armchair, but it's a different thing when you actually are in battle yourself. That's um, that's my favorite quote in the entire movie, and when he says, uh, it is, yeah, it is well to dream of, uh, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I know, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not going to do a good way of like, quote this movie word for word right there, but yeah, I just found that to be... Uh, kind of a very cool thing. And also he says something too later on after the battle. And again, I'm paraphrasing this whole thing because I don't have this screenplay in front of me uh, where he basically says that 
soldiers are in a way like the same pickpockers. Oh yeah, he's, and uh, thieves. Yeah, forget not the pickpockers, pickpockets, thieves, and uh, oh no, I can't remember. That's the literally my cover photo on Facebook is that scene with that quote. Uh, yeah, um, you may yeah. talk of your great warriors and kings, but forget not the pickpockets. Uh, robbers and thieves whom they lead it is with these sad instruments that your great yeah that your great warriors and kings have been doing their cruel work in the world yeah something that, that's really well done Mary I was very whoa applause to you <laughs> on that remember that that's my favorite in the movie I can't remember it now like I guarantee you like when we get off this podcast it's just gonna come to me and I'll remember the whole thing. <laughs> I know, right? oh uh, so yeah, so uh, after this, um, we have so we have the first battle of the French, and Gorkin gets killed. Now I liked the fact that uh, there's a really kind of heartwarming, not like, yeah, it's a heartwarming kiss between the two gentlemen, and oh, yeah. it's not a you know, anything romantic or sexual. It's just a kiss of like love and friendship. And... Yeah, and that's another historical thing is that men did do that back then. Yeah, um, it was acceptable for men to kiss each other on the lips. Um, I love that scene too, and that's another scene that puts me at odds with the narrator because the narrator is just like acting like Barry is this cold-hearted son of a bitch that just wants to climb the ladder. But when Barry loves, he loves, and he loved Grogan, and he was crying when he died. Um, like Barry's like the only person in the movie besides Grogan really that I feel like is capable of like this deep love. He loved when he loves someone, he really loves them. And he was clearly destroyed by Grogan's death. Oh, sure. Gosh, definitely right there. Um, and then, all right. Uh, and then uh, basically after that, uh, he's a little upset because Barry's tied to be in the army for six years. And but the narrator states that an accident has will occur, and to basically make sure that Barry is free of the army, and he finds these two soldiers in the lake having uh, a romantic sort of like uh, tist. Um, oh, that that shot also of them in the lake is so beautiful. That whole thing, like it looks like a painting with the green trees reflected on the water with the flowers and everything. It's gorgeous. I love that. I could, like, oh, so pretty. Oh, it is. I guess um, one of them says that he's, like, going to go away. Uh, but this is the part where I need your help on, Mary, because Redmond Barry ends up stealing the clothes to adopt the identity of one mm. of them because he's carrying important papers. Yeah. So, so... That's all I really know, but is it for, like, uh, because he goes and is able to travel through either the French soldiers or Prussian soldiers? The Prussian soldiers. Okay. Because he just walks through, like, it's no big deal because he's wearing the British um, colors, so, like, the I think they're, like, the allies. So I think that he's just pretending to be, like, a British soldier. Okay, but wasn't he already a British soldier before? I mean, I guess... Well, I think that he was, like, a lay soldier, so he couldn't um, be on horseback. I think there's, like, a different rank that he stole that guy's, because those, those people, I think, were officers. Um, so they were of higher rank than Barry, and plus he took that guy's identity so he can be like, oh, yeah, I'm this guy. Gotcha. Um, it, yeah, because Barry was just, like, a regular foot soldier, and, and he saw the opportunity to 
you know, literally rise ranks um, by just stealing this guy's identity, which back then must have been so easy to just do that. I, Nowadays, you can't do shit like that. But it's like, oh, no, no, I'm now a captain in the British Army, of course. I would say, you know, he just stole one of the guy's clothes. The other uh, guy in the lake with him, he could have easily said to his officers, hey, look, our clothes got stolen. And they'd be yeah, like, they hey. Yeah, they must have noticed it too late. <laughs> like, Where's yeah, Redmond Barry? Oh, I don't know where they'd be able to question like who's missing from our army of foot soldiers. Where's Redmond uh, Barry? And be able to find out where he is. But... I honestly think that back then, with the way that things were handled, I think they probably didn't even know his name. I think, and also the way that they regarded their foot soldiers back then was just another. It's like a pawn. Like they're not going to waste their time getting to know who Redmond Barry is. It's like, oh, it's that guy. So I don't even think they would have noticed him missing, to be honest. No, you're you're right. You're probably right. There's too much people out there. Probably wouldn't notice it at all. Um, yeah, like it's just another foot soldier. It's like you know they they probably never even got to know him. It's just another face that they see that you know does all the hard work. Not that they're not doing hard work, obviously, but um, Barry's kind of the lowest on the rank. True. So they probably wouldn't have noticed him. Fair enough. There. Uh, so after you know he adopts his identity, uh, he meets this German woman on the street while he's riding his horse. And now this German woman is named Lishen. She's played by uh, Diana Corner. And I looked her up on IMDb and I recognized none of the movies she was in. She's a German <laughs> actress. German movies. Gorgeous woman. She looks so pretty in that movie. I love She looks like somebody from a 1700s painting. You know, I, I, I looked her up because I really thought that it was the same woman who was in the bathtub in The Shining that comes out nude. I really thought that was the same woman. Oh. But it's not. That's a no, they do look similar though. That's a the, yeah. So I just kind of thought that, but either or um, I was thought that she was also the same woman that appears naked uh before Alex at the end of a Clockwork Orange, but no. That's actually a girl that was on Monty Python. If you if you go back and watch the old episodes of Monty Python, she's on there. I think really. Her name's... Yeah, her name's like uh, Katrina something, I think. Oh! oh. But yeah, she, she was on Monty Python. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, I had no idea about that. Very, yeah. very cool fact. Uh, so we have this uh, great little sequence between the two, and um, they talk about uh, her husband being away at war, and she asks him to stay with her. Uh uh, there is candlelight in this feature too, very gorgeously shot as well. Uh, I definitely would get more into the cinematography on our next episode on this one. Uh, but yeah, just this is kind of like our last final scene for this episode here with Lyndon talking with, uh, sorry, Raymond Barry talking with Lishan, and they're both flirting with each other. Uh, there's, he's concentrating on her words and everything like that. And he's not like pushing himself on her. Exactly. See, that's another, that's a scene that I feel like is important to understanding who Barry Lyndon actually is, because at first glance, you just kind of assume it's like, oh, he just wants to sleep with her. He probably just, you know, banged her and then left. But it doesn't seem like that. He seemed like he actually wanted to know about her. And by the, the scene where they left each other, they looked like they were in love. He looked, he was, he was so tender to her and so gentle. It wasn't like anything. He was never even shown to try to get with her sexually. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm assuming that they did sleep together, but it's yeah. not like he was like using her for a cheap bang. It like, I feel like the 
probably what the narrator wants you to think and the sure. way he dismisses it after just so coldly the narrator dismisses uh Lichen and Barry's relationship as oh um a woman who sets her heart on a man in uniform is bound to be you know sad or whatever <laughs> bound to be disappointed again and again and it, it's just such a like a cold dismissal of that it's like those people probably found peace in in each other in that time mm-hmm. she had her husband was away she was there with her baby this handsome soldier comes and he's lonely too i feel like they had a connection but the narrator's just like oh yeah she was you know, it was, that was just a cheap fling, you know? That whole scene could have been easily, like, a 90-minute movie of just exactly. their relationship together. Exactly. And I feel like they did probably really do find comfort in each other, but the narrator doesn't care about that. He's just like, oh, yeah, her heart's been <laughs> stormed and occupied many times. Yeah, I see. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. Like, any humanity that Barry shows is just completely dismissed by the narrator. Which kind of adds to the sort of, like, dark humor opponent in a way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Which I kind of enjoyed while watching it as well, because the narrator comes in, like, this very snarky, pompous yes. guy. It's just <laughs> kind of takes you out Barry... of the movie, but it's hilarious. Yeah, and when Barry's doing something really noble, like when he pulled Captain Grogan to safety in the middle of a battle, the narrative doesn't say anything. No. The narrative's completely quiet. Every single time Barry's doing something good, he doesn't say anything. It's only like when Barry tries to, you know, find comfort in his own life or peace in his own life is when the narrator kind of scolds him as being like a ruffian trying to write, like, you know. And Lyshin, too. He does the same thing. It's like, Almost like the movie, and I know we haven't gotten to this point yet because for later episodes, but it's almost like the movie, the narrator is the aristocracy of this movie, and they're just looking down at all these poor people like, look at these poor people, poor people. trying to make their lives better, you know? <laughs> trying to be like those sophisticated folks here, these poor people, just trying to be like, oh, ha ha ha, yeah, how dare exactly. they? <laughs> We're going to laugh at you now and make sure your life is horrible. <laughs> like, compare Lichen to Lady Linden. The movie is way more sympathetic to Lady Linden and her problems than it is with Lichen. It's like, yeah. oh, Lichen's just a, she's just a slut that goes with any guy. And she's, her heart's been stormed and occupied many times. Because you the, know? Movie just has, like, the movie just shows us that one scene between uh, Reverend Barry and Lichen. And we know that they cut to when he leaves that he's been with her for pretty long time maybe several months yeah i imagine right. so before yeah he goes on his way yeah. and then lady linden it's like oh this poor rich woman oh her heart was broken barry treated her so cruelly and blah 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 it's like yeah but but with lichen it's like yeah dude. <laughs> this slut this horror yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh well Mary, uh, that's going to kind of wrap up part one, full episode right. one, on our deep dive into Barry Lyndon. I got to say, Mary, thank you so much. I think this was a really good start. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love talking about this movie. Uh, so we will continue in part two, going more into the story, and I want to talk a little bit more about the production of the movie, uh, including the uh, cinematography and the costume design, production design, a few other cast members as well. Uh, so thank you everyone 
for listening. Now, Mary, you recently came back to the podcast, whatever, with the Jason yes. Soda recently. I was on a sabbatical. <laughs> yes, fair enough there. Uh, if you want to hear more of that sabbatical, I urge you all to check out the podcast, whatever, with Jason Soto. It's a really fun podcast. I'm a big fan of it. I enjoy well, listening you. to the show very much there. Um, I do know that I still have to write more of my fan fiction story for you guys. Yes, that is always welcome. That is hilarious. It kills so, me every single time. I love that. I hope to do more of those later on when I actually have some like free time as well. Uh, but thank you all for listening to this part. This is our official episode one of Barry Linden. We have a few more coming up in the series here. Uh, Mary, uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yes. Um, I'm, well, I don't have a Twitter or anything. I'm on Facebook. Um, but you can please, uh, come and join us at the whatever with Jason Soto Facebook group. Um, whatever with Jason Soto.com. Or if you look up on Facebook, we have a Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. Um, check out my friend Jason who hosts the podcast. He's a hilarious dude. Um, he's awesome. So yeah, just check us out. And, um, Give our podcast a goo. Give it a yes. little listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as always, for Cinema Recall, you can follow us on the Twitter sphere. We're at Cinema underscore Recall. Uh, we're on Facebook. We also have a Facebook group, too, called Crack Cinema Recall's Awesome Cinematic Club, where people post different things about movies and whatnot there. And so, fun time as well. Um, and uh, yes, you can find our episodes on Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor. I'm having issues right now with our heart radio. Like if you look at, if you search for cinema recall on like Google or whatever app you use to search for stuff, it, our link for our heart radio will show up there. But if you actually are on our heart radio, you can't search for our name there. For some reason you have to put a number before the name. And I don't understand it. I'm using the same RSS feed for other shows and other platforms, I can just type in the name Cinema Recall, but for iHeartRadio. So if you do have to find our show, just use Google, and we're available, like I said before, Podchasers, other places right there. Uh, that's going to wrap up our episode. Uh, quick shout-out here to our wonderful Patreon subscribers. I love you all very dearly. No special order here. Going to thank um, Donnie from Cage's Kiss Podcast, who now are becoming Viorama. Thank you very much, Donnie. You can check out our episode with him about Poltergeist 2. Uh, we also want to give a special shout out thanks to Matt and Ashley from Mashley at the Movies. Thank you very much. Gotta thank my boy Jason Soto from whatever with Jason Soto. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. And then gotta thank Jeanette Miller Mickenham uh, from AKA Jeanette. Thank you very much, Jeanette, for being a subscriber. Uh, if you join our Patreon page, you'll get bonus episodes, early access episodes so for right now if you're a patreon subscriber you are going to get early access to this episode on fridays and then everyone else will get the full episode on monday for all the platforms right there so if you listen to us on patreon uh thank you very much because you're an early access subscriber uh, but for everyone else who's listened to, to this on uh, spotify or apple Podcasts, thank you very much for listening that is all for right now Love you all, and have a good night.